Good morning. Good to see each of you here today. Thank you for your prayers for our trip to Romania. Made it back home at 10 o'clock last night. I'm severely jet-lagged. I'm not really sure where I'm at, but I am so happy to be here and in the United States of America again. I give you my first and only Romanian word, pacha. It means peace. It's the greeting that they give to each other. Brother Brian has graciously uh, agreed to preach this morning, and I'm uh, looking forward to what he has to share with us. Uh, it'll go so well with what the praise team just sang to us about the there are no or- orphans of God. God's going and Brian's going to be speaking about the adoption of God this morning. If you're interested in the trip, I'll be speaking about that tonight. And if not, you've been duly warned. I'll be sharing with you about the trip to Romania and showing you some pictures about the orphanages and the manna feeding centers. I hope that you'll be back with us. I'll tell a little bit about my age. Uh, I think Brother Brian was 14 when I came to this church. Brother Brian has served uh, on the staff as the associate pastor for four years or so. He and his family served our church as missionaries to Peru, and we're delighted to have them back in our church family again. You welcome Brother Brian as he comes to preach. Thank you, Brother John. Well, good morning. I did turn it on. Yes, we're good. You glad to be here this morning? Is there any other place you would rather be this morning? Okay. Whoa, that that wasn't very convincing. I'm sorry. There is no other place I would rather be than right here with you, my brothers and sisters, this morning. So glad uh, to... uh, be behind this, you know, I, 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 I salivate every time I come in here, you know, this, this pulpit is just amazing, amazing, um, but that's not what it's all about. Um, we just got back, uh, the men of our church, uh, from an incredible weekend, <clears throat> and hopefully we'll be able to share a little bit of that with you as time goes by, um, and I am... I'm amazed at how God has orchestrated this morning. Not only do I walk in and I perfectly coordinated with the praise team. Purple. Don't mistake me, though, for a member of the praise team, please, because that would not be pretty. Um, <clears throat> but when, a few weeks ago, when Brother John asked me to preach, I immediately started flipping uh, through and kind of calculating when, you know, if, if it would be Galatians chapter 4, please be at a Galatians chapter 4 when, uh, when it's time for me to do this. Because not only Galatians is one of my favorite books of the Bible, uh, the amazing, amazing story of God bringing us out of bondage from the law to new life through his grace. Uh, but chapter 4, especially the first few verses, that... It's, it's, it is my favorite portion of the Bible, period, period. And I was so elated to learn that this would correspond uh, with this morning because it is my favorite thing that God does for us, adopting us into his family, rescuing us as orphans and bringing us into his family. It, it, it's amazing how God orchestrated this and I just, I, I hope I do it justice. I'm, I'm scared because um, not often do I get to preach um, on my favorite passage. 
but uh, God has worked it out so well. Um, it's been off. It's been said, you can pick your friends. Oh, you know where I'm going. You can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose, right? Some of you will get that later. Um, while you can pick your friends, you can't necessarily pick your family, right? Um, a lot of us wish you could, or, or, or pick another family. Um, but you can't pick, you can't choose the family you're born into, right? Everyone will get, this means yes, as we go along today, this means yes, this means no, all right? You, you can't choose your own family. Um, you know, a, a lot of times you look at, you look at family members um, and you, you say, well, uh, no, there's no way that they belong to each other. You know, like, like Kim. And I'm sure you're expecting the revelation that she, had, she was adopted um, today, but I'll, I'll refrain. You know, but but you, can, you, can, you can just look at Kim, and there's, there's no way she belongs to our family. Until, until you take Kim and Dad shopping. And for those of you who know Dad and Kim and shopping, they're, yeah, they're shopping phobiacs. Okay, so, so it's okay, Kim. You belong to the family. And maybe I'm the one that was adopted. I don't know. But, uh, but you can't choose your family. You're born into it. But uh, today we're going to learn that the same is kind of um, where it's opposite. However, you know, to, to adopt a child, and, and many of you have, by the way, if you have adopted children in your family, please raise your hand. Or you're a foster parent. Raise your hand as well. Okay, you guys are my heroes, by the way. Let's give them a hand. Why? Because they did have a choice. They have a choice to adopt or not, to bring an orphan in or not. And this is, this is what is so great about this idea of God adopting us. He had a choice. He had a decision to make. And what a beautiful decision he made a long, long time ago. He decided to adopt us as his very own children, even before we were children in the flesh. He settled that a long time ago so that we can become benefactors of this beautiful decision. We have uh, some friends in Peru uh, who are missionaries as well, and their main ministry is an orphanage. And, and I, I just love what they do. It, I couldn't do it. It's just, it's just not for me. Uh, four is enough. Thank you. I, I couldn't do more. Um, but, but they run an orphanage, and at any given time, they have 35, 50 kids uh, in their orphanage. And, and, and constantly, constantly, um, people are, uh, uh, young ladies who uh, have children out of wedlock are just leaving their babies at their doorstep because they know that they will take them in and they will find a home for them. Uh, I just love their ministry. And there are countless, uh, dozens and dozens of Peruvian families and American families who are the benefactors of that, who have adopted children out of their orphanage. And today, those orphans now have a place to call home, now have a mom and a dad. What a, what a beautiful ministry that is. So we're going to talk about this in 
today I just I just like to to give you six truths about adoption as we think about it in in human terms and and as we understand it um, as human beings and and how it applies to the child of God or to the orphan who then becomes a child of God. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter four, Galatians chapter four. But the first point, and you have uh, you have some notes to take in your bulletin and outline. The first truth about adoption is that adoption requires much planning. Adoption requires much planning. And let's read from Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 verses 4 to 6 says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, Having predestined us, he chose us before the foundation of the world, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Just ask the parents, just ask these parents who have adopted children into their family, just how much planning goes into the process. It's sometimes a long, arduous ordeal. Uh, There are forms to fill out. There are interviews. There are evaluations. There is red tape. There are fees. um, Home inspections. A lot goes into adopting a little boy or a girl. Um, Our friends, um, missionaries as well in Peru, Brent and Miriam Williams, uh, they, uh, a few years ago, uh, decided that the Lord was leading them to adopt a Peruvian baby. So, the process over there is, is far more arduous than it is here. Uh, they began that process. So after mountains of paperwork, after the fees, after interviews, they came in and inspected their home. Uh, they had one last evaluation, and they would be approved. And it was a psychological evaluation. Like, we got this licked, you know? We're good, we're missionaries. And I guess for some reason, the Peruvian evaluator looked at this American couple and thought, you must be crazy to want to adopt a Peruvian baby. And they failed. They failed their psychological evaluation. But, but they went through that process, and it was a long, long ordeal. It is a big, big decision to adopt a child. But how about God? You know, in God's mind... Our adoption was not his plan B. It was his original plan. You know, Paul tells us that before the foundation of the world, God planned it. He planned it to be that way. Even before we would live in the world which he created. That's amazing to me. Quite frankly, his plan A all along was the creation, sin, and the fall of mankind. And later the redemption an adoption of all of mankind so that we, his adopted children, could know his glory, his grace, and his mercy being woven, adopted, woven into his family. He planned it that way. He planned it that way. And it was much, much planning on his part. The second thing, and this is kind of a cultural example, um, but the adopted child... And we're back in Galatians chapter 4 now. The adopted child is still a child. 
You might want to write that down. The adopted child is still a child. Let's read verses 1 through 3. It says, Now I say that the heir, the heir, the child who receives an inheritance, okay, um, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians or trustees and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Verse 3, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Just because a child is born into royalty doesn't mean we give them the keys to the kingdom while they are still in the crib. Um, or perhaps never. Just ask Prince Charles about that one. Poor guy. And what is he at? 120 now and he still doesn't have the keys to the but Poor Prince George, you know. Uh, his great-grandma probably will outlive him and still have the keys to the kingdom. But just because you're royalty doesn't mean you automatically get the keys to the kingdom. You're still a child, and you must pass from childhood to adulthood. See, Paul had already compared the law to a, in, in chapter 3 of Galatians to a prison warden and also a babysitter. Now, in chapter 4, he compares it to a trustee or a guardian, okay, who is appointed to care for a young child and his property until, it says, until the time appointed by his father, until his rite of passage, okay? So here Paul contrasts the spiritual immaturity of those living under the law with the spiritual maturity of those living by faith in Jesus Christ, now, the readers of this passage, in their context, could, could easily understand this uh, because people, uh, before coming to, to Christ in faith, by faith alone, were under bondage. The Jews, they were under bondage to the law. The Gentiles who read this were under the restraints of pagan religions. They were all under certain elements of their own world until the time appointed by the Father. So, this rite of passage, what is that? Well, it was, and still is today, a very important event in the life of a child in cultures all around the world, the rite of passage. You know, as it, as it officially signifies the passing of a child into adulthood. So, think about certain events. Um, it is, is your child hitting their first home run? Big event. Uh, it's... Uh, your son or daughter, and this is contextual, uh, your son or daughter killing their first deer. Amen? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's moving from A to B. It's moving from child, and now I have arrived. I have arrived. So, for the child of God, this passing from law, being under bondage to grace by faith alone in Jesus Christ from death to life. It's a big deal. And it didn't come cheap. It didn't come cheap, which we'll see in our third point. Because adoption is also costly. Adoption is costly. Let's read verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, when the father said, it's time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to do what? Say it with me. To redeem. 
Let's try that again. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the what? The adoption as sons. It's going to start to get really good now. So fasten your seatbelts and let's go. That we might receive the adoption as sons. So let me ask you, how much does it cost a family to adopt a child? Anybody? Don't know? How much does it cost? I submit to you that it costs a whole lot more than the dollar amount you might be thinking in your head right now. Okay. Not only is it very expensive, but it costs a family a whole lot more than dollars to adopt a, a child. What about their time? The emotional energy put into the whole process and then the aftermath of adopting. Uh, the stress of all the red tape, getting all your paperwork done and making sure it's right. Making sure the house is just right when that uh, inspector, evaluator comes. Um, they will become a teenager eventually. The grocery bill will go up. So it will cost a family a lot. It's a big decision that comes with a huge price tag. So how much did it cost God? Think about this with me. How much did it cost God to adopt us? He, he chose to adopt us already a long, long time ago, before the foundation of the world, before you were. He already chose to adopt us, but how much did it cost him? Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us. We already looked at that word. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. How much did it cost God to adopt us? Anybody, yell it out. Everything. Everything. His son. His firstborn. Remember that word. His firstborn, Jesus Christ. He sent him to redeem us. That word redeem, um, as it's used in our text, means to set free by way of paying a price. To set free by way of paying a price. Now, in the Roman world, as they would understand hearing and reading this word, redeem, one could purchase a slave either to make them their own slave, take them home, they would become their own slave, or to set that slave free. So what choice did God make when he redeemed us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf? We were already slaves to the law and to our own sinful, fleshly desires. No, he didn't make that choice, but he bought us. He purchased us. He bought us with the precious blood of Jesus to set us free from the law to live in glorious, glorious freedom in new life from the law. But also in verse 5, we see another reason for God's ultimate sacrifice. He gave it all. He gave us his son so that we would no longer be under the law, bound by the law, the letter of the law, but free by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There's another element to this, and that's the legal side. The the fourth point is that the legal side of adoption. We see that phrase there, that we might receive the adoption as sons. The word adoption there means to place or to put as an adult son. And this is very significant. 
you know, when we adopt, you, the, 9 out of 10, the, the, the normal situation is when we adopt a child, he is a baby. She is a child. Hardly ever do you see a couple adopt, adopt an adult child. I've never seen it. But that's what God does. He not only adopts us as his children, but he immediately, when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, he immediately places us into the family as an adult son, as an adult daughter. Well, so what? What does that mean? Let's see what that means. Um, When I was first, well, let me just ask it this way. You ever been to someone's house, you're a guest at the house, and they say something like, hey, just make yourself at home. Just make yourself at home. Do you really make yourself at home? You usually don't. We kind of teach our children, don't really make yourself at home. I mean, don't go in and steal all the little Debbies from the pantry and really make yourself at home. Don't cook yourself a steak. And, um, but... That's kind of what God does. I remember when uh, Michelle and I were dating early on. We started dating at the beginning of my first semester uh, in college. And just maybe a month or so into that, something just weird happened. Um, I suddenly found myself at home. Um, I was over at their house one evening, and um, her mom made some delicious cookies and how many of you are with me? You can't have cookies without milk. Can I get some help on that? Amen? All right. You just can't have cookies without milk. So instead of asking, I just moseyed on into the kitchen, found a cup, and opened the fridge, pulled out the milk, and poured myself a cup of milk without thinking, without asking. And, and it kind of hit Michelle weird. What is he doing? Goodness. And then I think her, and mom, her mom kind of started talking about it a little bit, and it hit him. He's part of the family now. He feels like he belongs. And from then, well, the rest is history, you know. But I felt like I belonged, and I had permission. I had the right as one of the family to go in and get myself a, a cup of milk. See, that's exactly what God does. When we receive Christ as our personal Savior, God immediately says, hey, come on in. Pull up a chair. I've been waiting for you for a long time now. Help yourself. Make yourself at home. It's as if we had been there all along. It's as if we had grown up in the family We were apart, we were engrafted, we were woven. It's as if we never left. It's as if we had been there all along. Come on in. Make yourself at home. That's what the adoption as sons mean. God puts us into the family as if we had been in the family all along. What a beautiful picture that God does for that, uh, for us. Um, But he goes even further. This is incredible, uh, what adoption as sons means to us. He goes even further. As children of God, as sons of God, daughters of God as well, he also gives us all kinds of special privileges. There are privileges to being part of the family of God. 
And Paul lists one of them for us in verse 6. Let's read it together. Let's read it out loud. Ready? And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out what? Abba, Father. Abba, Father. What does that word Abba mean? Daddy. This is my favorite name for God. Daddy. And when we call God Abba, here in this text and in other portions of Scripture, we we see two different ways that we can call him Abba, Daddy. First is in that, that soft inflection that I just gave. As a as a very fraternal, nice, um, peaceful, I love you kind of way. Um, You know, for those who have adopted children, and I just think of like, I think of Scott and Nikki. Could you, can you imagine the joy on Scott's face and in his heart the first time Ollie said, Daddy? Dad, Dad? Daddy, let me ask you this. Um, Is it any different, though? Um, Kevin, I'm sure the first time you heard Kyle call you Daddy, it it just burned within you the joy of hearing that. But was it any more or less joyful than hearing Kent say Daddy? Daddy? For the first time? Probably about the same. And here, that's the point. That's the point of God adopting us into the family as adult children. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15 that when God finds the lost coin, when the lost child comes home, the orphan comes home, And for the first time, after receiving Christ uh, as his personal Savior, and is found by the Father, and for the first time, cries out, Daddy, I'm home. Daddy, can I be a part of the family now? Daddy, says that it starts a party in heaven. All the angels shout, and the Father rejoices over and over again. It warms the heart of the Father to hear his children say, Daddy, Daddy, Padre. Or pick your dialect, pick your tongue. It warms his heart to hear that. But Paul tells us that there's, a, there's another way we can call him Abba. And, and that's kind of what this text, this, this part means in this text. He sends his spirit into our heart, which gives us evidence that we are children of God. And by that, we can cry out. We can cry out in a, great, in a time of great distress. Cry out, just like Jesus in the garden, when he went a little farther and fell on the ground, prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, he cried, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will. But what you, he cried out, Daddy, Daddy, can you please help me? 
So by being engrafted and woven in the family of God, adopted by God, no longer orphans under the bondage of the law, but under grace that gives us the right to say, Daddy, I love you, or Daddy, I need you. Last thing. Adoption brings certain rights to the adopted child. And by the way, I'm not, I don't even have a clock up here. I'm sorry, but let's just, let's just have fun in the Word today. Um, we're almost done now. Adoption brings certain rights to the adopted child. Verse 7. And this is the point in the sermon where, you know, the pastor says, if you haven't heard anything until now, would you please wake up and start listening, okay? Because this is where it's, it, it all comes together now. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a what? You reading it? A son. And if a son, what? Then an heir of God through Christ. And, and I got to tell you, when, you know, we're not all that excited about reading those words, but this is why this all comes together now, because for the average Gentile, the average Jew, reading those words, they knew exactly what Paul was talking about. And so let me illustrate that to you and see why it was so important and why it was so revealing an incredible uh, revelation to those who were reading this in the original context. So, Tony, please come. Cool. Front and center. I saw Anthony. I saw you somewhere. Yep, come. All right, so here we have Dad. And this is in the original Roman, you know, old ancient times context. This is what it means to be an heir, okay, receiving an inheritance. All right, so in the, come on up, buddy. Um, in, in the olden days, and in some cultures today, it's still kind of this way. All right, so here's dad, and what happens? Boom, firstborn. Anthony is the firstborn son, okay? So the firstborn son, until there comes another one along, son, by the way, um, in, in, in the old family, the daughters didn't get anything. Sorry, Kim, I get it all. Um, That's why Ruth needed a kinsman redeemer. The daughters didn't get anything, okay? Firstborn son, he receives everything. I know it's not much, right? Okay. He receives everything when dad dies, okay? Firstborn, he's the heir. He's the firstborn, receives the firstborn inheritance. But boom, I know we don't have Jordan here today, so we'll just act like there are two. Jordan, are you here, buddy? I'm sorry. Good night. You came all the way over. Come, come, come. All right. This is, this is even better because uh, we got a lot of math to do then. All right, boom, Jordan comes along. Okay? So what happens? There are more than one. There is no longer a, just a firstborn. Um, what happens is now, okay, when it comes time for the inheritance, Anthony receives a double portion of everything. So now we have to divide the inheritance in what? There you, nope. In three, right? In three. So, 
We'll get there. We'll get there. He's not, he's not in the picture yet, okay? In three, so that Anthony gets a... I'm sorry. Whoa, that was bad. <laughs> Are you videotaping this? Praise the Lord. Okay, Anthony gets a double portion. Anthony receives a double portion. I'm sorry, Jordan, you only get one-third. Okay, but, okay, along comes another. And, and this can keep going as long as we're able to, they didn't have calculators back then, so it got really tricky, I'm sure. Um, Cole comes along, and so Jordan still receives, uh, Anthony, my bad, Anthony still receives a double portion of everything, so how are we going to split up the inheritance when Daddy dies? In four, right? So everything is now by fourth, so that Anthony still receives a double portion. And then we have Jordan and Cole to receive. But what happens, let's say, Daddy decides somewhere along the way to adopt a child. Um, Chandler. I do this on purpose because stand right there by Cole. There is, there is no way this guy comes from him, right? All right. So it's very clear that Chandler is adopted into this family. So what happens to the inheritance now? It is complicated. How much does Chandler get? When Daddy dies, how much does Chandler get? There you go, Brother Ken. Come here. Chandler gets to go over here, right by Anthony, and he receives a double portion. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. So how big of a decision is that? For the family. And how precious is that for this adopted one who went from orphan, who went from nothing to a double portion? That's a big deal. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. That's a really, really big deal. So when Paul says, when Paul says, you come from slave or orphan, we are orphans to the law, we are slaves to the law, you move from slave to son to heir. And we're going to see why this illustration was so important in just a second. So what's our inheritance? We become an heir, we become an heir, being, indo- being adopted into the family of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17 says, The Spirit, this is our inheritance, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We become immediately heirs of of God. But there's a little bit more than that, right? Did we just pass over that? Heirs of God and what? 
What's next? Heirs of God and co, or joint heirs through Jesus Christ. That's big. We move from here, adopted, over there. Joint heirs gives us a double portion of God's inheritance. Let that sink in. It gives us a double portion. So what's our double portion? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Listen closely. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of, somebody finish that with me, heir of all things. Whom he has appointed heir of. Of all things. So by receiving a double portion and being joint heirs with Christ Jesus, we get what? Everything. One day, Jesus, God's going to say, it's time. Jesus is going to come back and get his church after a period of trouble on the earth called the tribulation. He's going to come back with all his children and rule and reign on this earth, and after a thousand years, he will set up and establish a new kingdom. And guess what? We get to, as joint heirs with him, rule with him. We are heirs to everything. God gives the keys to the kingdom to Jesus, and by being adopted as sons, adult sons, and co-heirs with Jesus Christ... He wants to give us the keys to the kingdom as well. Somebody help me out. Some of you heard that this weekend. Somebody help me out. It was a black preacher. Somebody help me out. That is a big deal as well. However, there's one stipulation and one alone. You want that? That sounds really good, right? That's incredible. But there's one Stipulation. The last two words of verse 7. And we're there. Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. You want to be an heir of God? It is only through Christ. That's the stipulation. Through Christ. Though we have a choice, though we have no choice, I'm sorry. Though we have no choice about the earthly family that we're born into we do have a choice whether or not we want to be adopted by God. We do have a choice whether or not we want to be woven into his family and become joint heirs with Christ and receive a double portion from our heavenly Father. But it is our choice. It is your choice. So what's the choice? John 1, 12. But as many as received him... That's the choice. Say it again. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So I ask you the question, Are you an orphan? Are you a child? Are you an orphan? Are you a child of God? 
Have you been engrafted and woven, adopted into his family? You're still an orphan. You want to be part of God's family? The choice is yours. What choice will you make today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you could bear with me for just a moment, I want to ask you a few questions as we close. Please, no one looking around. This is a very private and personal moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, I think we have two different types of decisions to make. First one is, I've already asked it. I've proposed the question to you. you. Do I belong to the family of God? Have I received Jesus as my own personal Savior? Have I asked him to come into my life? Have I asked God to adopt me into his kingdom and become an heir to his kingdom? Have I believed on the name of Jesus? Well, the choice is clear, and it's your decision. Please don't leave this place today without deciding You want to become an heir of God? You want to become a child of God? You want to be adopted into his kingdom? Talk to somebody. Maybe you're a a guest here with us today. Maybe you've been here for 15, 25, 30, 40 years, and you still have not made that decision. Decide today whom you will serve. Now, for those of us who have been adopted into the kingdom of God, we know Christ, we have believed on his name, and we have received him got a question for you. Who are we acting like these days? Are we acting like the child who still needs a babysitter, who's still drinking milk? Are we acting like the son who is close to but not quite ready to become the adult child? We need to take that next step We need a push. We're not quite as committed as we need to be. Are we acting like the heir? The firstborn. Because that's the right that God gives us when we are adopted. You know, we wear his name. We have child of God stamped across our hearts. It's just a matter of how well we are wearing it. God wants, us to give, God wants to give us the keys to the kingdom. The question is, are we ready to take them? Every head bowed and every eye closed, like the men of the church, just look up at me. Just the men. Just the men of the church, please. Looking right at me. I'd just like to call you out today. Uh, a lot of us men got called out in a very big way this weekend and challenged. I just have a little challenge of my own. Um, I'll ask you the question. I'll start from the end. Do you want to change the world? Do you want to make the world a better place? Do you want to change our nation? Would you like to be the man of God that changes your state? How about your community? How about your family? How about your church? Do you want to be the man of God that influences your church and changes it? 
Do you want to be the man of God that protects and provides for your family and changes your family for the better? How about your wife? Do you want to change your wife for the better? Do you want to lead her and nurture her and shepherd her in the way God would have you to? I just leave you with this. Paul makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. If we want to be that kind of man, he says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith and act like men. Be strong. So, men of the church, I'm asking you to be like men of God. I'm calling you out today. Another version that says, quit you like men. Stop playing around. Stop making excuses. Well, you know, I just can't help it. It's the way I am. It's the way my father was. Um, there are certain patterns here. I just can't. I don't have the time to devote to this. Stop making excuses. No more excuses. Men, act like men. Be strong. So I invite you. I invite you to make a covenant today with God and tell him, I want to be that kind of man. I want to stop making excuses, God, and I want to be your man. I want to be the man that would lead my family the way you would have me. I want to be the man that would change the atmosphere in my church and in my community so that I will leave my mark. You want to be that kind of man? Let's make that covenant today. I don't even wait till we stand. Come forward. Take your wife by the hand and come make that covenant with God. Bring your family and say, God, I want to be that man. I want to act like a man. No more excuses, God. No more excuses. Help me stand firm and fast in the faith. Help me be strong. Help me be that man. Because you know what? Dads, men, it's up to us. When it comes right down to us, if we want healthy families, healthy churches, healthy state, country, world, it is up to us and it begins with us in our homes and in our families. So while Miss Tracy plays, let's make that covenant to God. And if, if you need to make any kind of decision, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, please come and talk to someone. We will help you understand what you need to know to make that decision. So whatever God's uh, speaking to you about, you come as, we, uh, as Ms. Tracy plays.
Thank you, Brother Brian, for that uh, challenge and for bringing us before the Lord. And I, one of the wonderful things about adoption in the, in the New Testament among Romans was the permanency of that adoption. As a father, I had the right, as your biological father, to cast you out of my family, to determine that you receive nothing as an inheritance. However, if I adopt you, it's forever. I can never cast you out of my family. But God has brought us into his family so that we can never be cast out again. He had a choice and he chose to accept us. What a wonderful concept that is. Thank you, Brian, so much for that message this morning. Let's uh, continue with our worship service this morning by receiving our offering. Uh, Usher, would you come and let's receive our offering at this time. pray for us this morning. Father, thank you for the service that we've had today. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us and for never allowing us to remain the same. We ask this morning that we be able to take those principles that we've heard this morning, we apply them in our lives, and and that they might encourage us in our walk and uh, the way we live for you. Father, if there are others who still need to make decisions in their lives, then Lord, I pray that you continue to work in their hearts and lives this morning. I pray your blessings on this offering this morning. We pray that you'd help us to use it wisely in your service. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.